No other firm foundation but the Word of God. That's where God wants to put the faith. God doesn't want to put the faith on the Word of man, on the ways of the world. God wants to put the faith on His written Word. Well, we've got our Bible open at uh, Luke 17, and we'll read the first six verses, and then I'll have you uh, sit down. You've been standing a, a bit now. Keep the uh, dear sister Roman in your prayers. Do that every day. Please pray for her in her situation. All right, let's begin. The first six verses, Luke chapter 17. Let's go. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. May God bless his word. Please be seated. We're talking tonight uh, on the subject of faith, specifically the three parts of faith. Now, faith is a very important subject in the Bible. Make no mistake. The subject of faith is spoken of something like 360 times throughout the Bible, and that's pretty much one time for every day of the year. So it's a very important subject. Now here in Luke chapter 17, our Lord Jesus warned against the temptations to sin. And in verse 5, the disciples asked a very important uh, request of the Lord. And I'd like you to underline those words. Uh, Lord, increase our faith. I'd like you to underline those words in your Bible. I think that those are very, very important words. A good prayer, a good prayer. Now, in verse 6, Jesus went on to answer this and to explain to them how even a little bit of faith can do some amazing things. And so it brings us to the question, what is faith? What is faith? Now, you ask that question, of 10 people, you're liable to get 11 different answers. For some people, they seem to think that faith means something to do with the emotions and feeling. And they tie these together, maybe like a warm glow. I knew a man once who, many, many years ago, and his idea of faith was connected with a, a shiver up his spine. I remember him telling me that. And so, um, these people who believe that faith has to do with emotions, and especially a warm glow. If they feel this warm glow, then they assume that they have faith. Of course, if there's no warm glow, then they have no faith. And some of these people get accused of being emotional, getting too emotional. Then there's other people who think that faith 
means to spiritually feel your way along, maybe uh, groping in the dark. And some of these people are accused of groping. Well, uh, there are others who uh, uh, try to complicate the matter. And so they try to make it very scientific. And they say that creating faith, a state of faith, is a work that has been proceeding in order to bring perfection to the crudely conceived idea of a spiritual system that would not only supply inverse reactive strength for use in everyday unilateral phase situations, but would also be capable of automatically synchronizing cardinal doctrines and such an instrument would be better known as the state of faith. Uh, yeah, <laughs> take that and sleep on it. Well, uh, I kind of disagree with these flimsy um, explanations of faith. And I think we need to discard all that stuff. Tonight we're going to look at faith and the three important parts of faith. And if you don't have these three parts, then you're not going to have faith. You need these three parts. So let's have a word of prayer first. And let's ask the Lord to help us understand as we look at this important subject. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather here tonight. Thank you we have the Bible. And thank you we can look at the scriptures and, and get our teaching, our instructions from the Word of God. Thank you that we have the same Bible, the same Word of God tonight that they had a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, because the Word of God doesn't change. Our Father, speak to our hearts tonight, and Lord, increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Every successful godly man or woman in the Bible obtained his or her success through faith. That's how they were successful. Otherwise, all they could do is accumulate a certain mass of wood, hay, and stubble. And that's no good. And so what is faith? Now there are those who try to just simply say that faith is nothing more than trust. That's all it is, is trust. And so that's the word they use. However, I find that uh, the word trust is already in the Bible, plus the word faith. So if the word trust is in the Bible... Why didn't they just use that word instead of faith? Why did they have to use another word if simply all that we're talking about is trust? I hasten to say that there's probably a little more to it. That faith is, has a little more to the subject. Now, I'm not disagreeing that trust is the basis of faith. I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. In fact, I agree with it. Now, trust is found in all walks of life, isn't it? It's certainly found in marriages, right? And when husband and wife, they trust each other, they seem to have a good marriage, but when one of them doesn't trust the other, then there's big trouble. Um, business dealings, friends get together, trust between countries. Trust is used uh, all the time. Trust means to have confidence in someone or something. Now, trust can be a work of men. For example, a business wants you to trust them, uh, the quality of their goods or service. Uh, trust can also be a work of the devil. For example, the voodoo witch doctor 
wants to get you to trust in the power of his spells. And there's demonic activity in there. And so trust can be a work of the devil. Sometimes, possibly, the devil will try and get a Christian to trust more in himself and in his abilities than in God. And we better not be too quick to cross this one off our list. Because I do believe that's what the devil's trying to do in our lives. To get us to trust more in ourselves than in our Heavenly Father. Um, faith. They say it's trust. I say it's more than that. I believe that faith is a special word in the Scriptures. Faith is a wonderful word. It's a precious word that refers not just to trust. It refers to a heavenly trust. When you bring God into the picture, now that's where the trust turns into faith. And I hope to be able to show this to you tonight. We trust that God will lead us and guide us. We, we trust that God's word is trustworthy. And when we bring God into the picture, it's now faith. We have faith in God. We have faith in his word. And so where God is involved, we're not talking about a work of man. We're talking about a work of God. A heavenly trust, a heavenly faith that God uh, gives us. And this is an important part of the definition. Because this trust now doesn't come so much from our innermost being. This faith is a gift of God. Now the idea is a similar idea of trust. But one comes from within, from man. The other from God. Okay, do you see the difference there? Yes? Well, this is important. Um, it enables us to have confidence. When God gives us this faith, Lord, increase our faith. Well, if they could have increased it themselves, they wouldn't. They would have, right? Jesus would have said, well, increase your own faith. You can do it. Lord, increase our faith. So it has to be something where God is involved, where he gives us this increased state of confidence, trust, or faith. And of course, it's faith that enables us to believe that what God says is true and to act upon it. Now, the Bible has many good things to tell us about faith, three of which are, number one, faith is a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through, what's the next word? Faith. Through faith, and that, a reference right back to the faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God is not asking us to reach down into the depths of our corrupt human hearts and find the faith and the trust and the confidence. That's not it, folks. We, not, we must understand in this definition of faith that faith is something that comes from God. God has to be involved. There must be a, a heavenly channel to increase our faith. It's a gift of God. Number two, faith comes by the Word of God. You cannot have faith apart from the Word of God. So many are running around claiming to have faith, and yet they're so totally ignorant of the Word of God. It tells us in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. 
So this is very critical. Now we can better understand how it is that God gives us faith. He gives us faith through His Word, through the Bible, the Scriptures. He will increase our faith. The third thing is that faith is the only way that we can please God. You cannot please God in the, in the strength of the flesh, the power of your mind, your influence with people. And some people have this idea, some Christians are depending upon human means. And I've seen this actually in door to door where uh, a Christian man was depending upon his wonderful personality, his magnetic charm to try to win people to Christ. It don't work, folks. It doesn't work that way at all at all. We have a certain amount of intelligence. We have a certain amount of human wisdom, a certain amount of human charisma and charm. And, you know, all right, whatever you want to call it, we've got a certain amount of it. But it doesn't matter if we had all of it. We cannot win souls to Christ and do great things for God in that kind of strength. It's wood, hay, and stubble is all it is. It's not gold, silver, and precious stone. It's not the faith that God gives. It's the human confidence that we drag up from the depths of our heart. And there's a big difference between them. It's only by faith that we can please God. And everything we do needs to be by faith. Now in Hebrews 11.6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. You can't please God apart from faith. So this is very, very real, very critical, very important. Real Bible heavenly faith is when God gives us the ability to trust what God has written in the Bible to be true. And apparently, we're to ask for more. Lord, increase our faith. Now, does that make sense? Only God can increase it. We can't go into a spiritual gymnasium and do spiritual you know, push-ups and increase our faith ourselves. Now, we do need to do spiritual exercise and read the Bible and pray and be involved and serve and give and all of that's very important. But faith is a gift of God. Increase of faith is a gift of God. And He will give it if we will ask for it. Now, someone might say, well, what about feelings? What about those feelings? Well, feelings are good. They're fine. And they're oftentimes, they're present. They come present with faith. Along with this precious faith, there'll be some kind of feelings involved. When I got saved, according to Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, it wasn't by my works. It was by the faith God gave me to believe on Christ, to repent of my sins and believe on Christ. And there were some feelings involved that day. Trust me. Throughout my years of walking with the Lord, I've had wonderful times of being close to Him and I felt like my heart would just overflow. Those are feelings. Those are good feelings. But you know something? My feelings can change from one day to the next. How about yours? Do you ever find that, boy, you come out of church some Sundays and man, you feel like you're walking on the clouds. And then the next day's Monday. Monday, oh, got to go back to work. Oh, groan, open one eye, pour in some coffee. Oh, all right, you know, get myself ready, drag myself into work. I'm here. Let the bells ring and the banners fly. I'm here. What happened to those feelings? They changed, didn't they? That's the kind of people we are. We're human. And our feelings will change and come and go. Our faith 
should be building and building and building all the time, regardless of our feelings. And you can do things by faith, even though you don't quite feel like doing it. King David often had to go to war. Do you think every day he felt like going to war? No. But that's what God had for him. He was a man of war. That was his calling. And so by faith, he went to war. You just have to read Hebrews chapter 11. You'll see all these marvelous things these people did by faith. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts that most of them didn't feel like doing it. I mean, who feels like going into a fiery furnace? Who feels like going down there into the den of lions? Huh? Our Lord Jesus didn't much feel like going through all the suffering and being nailed to the cross. But he did it anyhow, didn't he? And aren't you glad he did? You and I are called upon to live by faith, not by feelings. Because some, some days you're not going to feel like going to church. Some days you're not going to feel like reading your Bible. Some days you're not going to feel like, you know, being a, a Christian. It's going to happen. But you do it by faith. That's where the payoff comes. Well, heavenly faith is almost like a living thing. Now that's an interesting thought. Heavenly faith. That's what I'm talking about faith tonight. Heavenly faith. It's almost like a living thing. Have you noticed that when God gets involved with things, they almost seem to come alive? And that's the way faith is and ought to be. But this faith, which seems to have a life of its own, must be fed, F-E-D. You must feed, F-E-E-D, your faith. You must feed it. How do you feed it? You feed it with the Word of God. If you don't feed it with the Word of God, you're going to have little faith. And that's why I think the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. They heard what Jesus was saying. And they thought, well, I don't know about you, but I think we need a little more faith. Lord, increase our faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I mentioned to you that the title here is The Three Parts of Faith. And I want to give them to you now. I want to give you these three parts of faith. In order to properly understand faith, I believe that there are three parts we need to examine each on its own. And the first important part is, and you already are aware of this, faith is a heavenly trust. It's a heavenly trust. It has nothing to do with men and man's abilities and works. It's a heavenly trust. Now, we've covered this under the definition of faith, but we need to say this once more. Real, honest-to-goodness, true, genuine Bible faith is a wonderful sense of confidence that only God can give you. But, heavenly faith must be directed someplace. You can't just have faith as this you know, glowing ball following you over your head. Oh, wherever you go, this glowing ball of faith is, is over your head. What's that? No one needs that. It, it, it's good for nothing. Heavenly faith must be directed somewhere. And this brings us to the second part. So I've already given you the first part. I said there's three parts. First part is that it's, uh, well, in our definition... It's the confidence that God gives us. It's the faith God gives us. It has to come from God. But the second part is faith needs a target. 
a target. So if you're making notes, the first point is faith is a heavenly trust. Point two, faith needs a heavenly target. A heavenly target. Faith needs a place to rest upon. A firm foundation, if you will. And that resting place is the Word of God. Back in 1851, Eliza Edmonds Hewitt was born. And poor Eliza suffered much, much physical pain for many years of her life. And 40 years later, in 1891, she wrote a poem about her faith in God. And here are some of the words to the poem. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name. Salvation through his blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You see, heavenly faith must have a target, a firm foundation, a place on which to rest. And the target always, always for heavenly faith is in God's Word. That's the place. There's no other place, no other firm foundation but the Word of God. That's where God wants to put the faith. God doesn't want to put the faith on the Word of man, on the ways of the world. God wants to put the faith on His written Word. And so the first important part of faith is that it comes from God. The second important part of faith is that it requires a place to stand, a resting place, if you will. Now, it wasn't Noah's brilliance and genius that foresaw the coming flood, was it? It had never, ever rained in earth's history up to the point of Noah's flood. Water had always, always come from the ground up. And here's Noah preaching that the water was going to come from the sky down. And people thought he was crazy. And yet it wasn't Noah's gift of prophecy. It wasn't Noah's, you know, glow ball over his head that saw the flood coming. It was his faith in what God told him. The Word of God. No one saw the COVID-19 coming. No one. No one did. No one did. No one did. No one did. All of the so-called prophets in the world today who claim to be able to predict this and that and elections and all kinds of things, they never saw COVID coming. All of the the evil people with their hoods and their crystal balls and, you know, their cards that they use and all of their incantations, they never saw COVID coming. Oh, I know there are certain people on the internet who claim, oh yeah, I saw it coming a couple years ago. They didn't. They're lying, folks. Because if they had seen it coming, they would have predicted it a couple of years ago. But now what they're trying to do is rewrite their own history. Oh, I saw it coming. You liar! You never saw it coming. How many of us saw this flooding here in the lower mainland coming? There are certain things that only, only God knows. And back in Noah's day, only God knew what was coming. Because God sent it. 
And God told his man Noah, he said, I'm going to send a flood. And Noah had faith in what God said. That's the target. Imagine a man, you meet a man, a Christian man, and the man says to you, hello, I'm a Christian man, I have faith. You have faith. I have faith. Oh, have I got faith. I have more faith in my little finger than all of the, the Christians this side of the Rockies. I have more faith in this little finger here than all of the Christians in the, the, his, the last thousand years of, of history. I am a man of faith. Well, what do you have faith in? He says, I don't know. You'd look at him and say, oh, that's a funny kind of faith you have. You have a lot of faith, but you don't know what you have faith in. You know, there are people like that today. And they, they can speak great swelling sentences and words and debates and even sermons. But if they do not have faith in what God has written and preserved, by the way, they have no faith at all. Because the first part of faith is that it's a gift from God enabling us to do what? Part number two, to stand upon his word. That's what faith is. And in the word, you will find three amazing things as you read your Bible. Your devos ought to improve you and increase your faith every day. Your daily devos ought to bring you closer and into the presence of God. Three things ought you to be looking for when you open your Bible tomorrow morning you get alone with God in your prayer closet. Number one, you need to be looking for the Lord Himself. You need to try and learn more about Him and what He likes and what He doesn't like. Number two, you ought to be learning more about His will for your life. What He'd have you do, what He doesn't want you to do. Number three, you ought to be looking for His promises. And He makes a lot of promises. There are thousands of promises in the Word of God and they're there, usually what happens is we read them and we don't even see them. We gloss right over them. Two men can be walking down a, a trail. One man would just be a, an average fellow. Maybe he works in a factory. The other fellow is a gemnologist. And as they're walking down the trail, the guy working in the factory, he's walking on all of the stones and everything. The gemnologist says, Whoa, wait, did you see that? No, what? You just stepped on it. What? What did I step on it? And he picks it up and the guy still doesn't recognize it. Don't you know what that is? The gemnologist knows. And through the word of God, as you read, as you study the word of God, there's incredible promises and gems, truths that'll grip your heart if you go in with the right attitude into your prayer closet. Lord, increase my faith. And so we're saying here that faith, the second part, and I'm laboring it, but faith needs a place to stand on. And if you put your faith in what that guy says or in even what this government says or in what that business says, you're misplacing it. God doesn't want any faith put there. He wants his faith put in his word. And I'm sorry to say too many Christians have bought into this bill of goods by the devil. Oh, well, it's good to have faith, but this is a very practical world that we live in. And you have to, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. You have to be like the world if you're going to get along in the world. And that is baloney, capital B, baloney. God knows all about the world and what's in it and what it ought to be. And God tells us where to put our faith. And the faith is to be put in 
God's Word. Some Christians, they put their faith in their heart. Well, if I feel, you know, it's the right thing, you see, then I'll do it. And if I don't feel it's the right thing, then I may not do it. Well, I have news for that Christian. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you realize that your own heart is desperate? That's what the scripture said. You have a desperado within your bosom, your own heart. Oh, be careful. Don't trust in your heart. It can deceive you. And so many people have been deceived. We must put our faith in what God has written. It fits hand in glove. It fits key in lock. We must search the scriptures daily to find God and find the instructions for our lives and find the promises that God has made to you and to me. Now, you don't need a huge amount of faith in order to see some great things happen. This is the good news from Luke chapter 17. When Jesus says here in verse number 6, let's look at it again. The Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now that's one the tiniest little seed there. I don't know if you've ever seen one. Maybe some of you have. But it is so tiny. I mean, we're talking this smaller than the head of a pin. It's tiny. He says, Ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. What's a sycamine tree? I'm glad you asked. We have a picture. Put that up now, would you please? There's a picture of a typical sycamine tree. These things grow tall. Their root structure grows into the ground like you wouldn't believe. You know, a tree's strength is in its roots. You know that. And the sycamine tree goes down deep and spreads out with these incredible roots. It's one of the hardest trees to, 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 for the wind to blow over because of its root system. And it's interesting the Lord should choose the sycamine tree. And so he says again, if you, had, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, and there was one right there, be thou plucked up by the root. Not cut off. Anyone could take a saw and cut it off. But be plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. And look, it should obey you. Now before you run out of here and run to the nearest pine tree, oak tree, mulberry bush, whatever, and say, up, up and out of there, fella. I want you planted in the Pacific Ocean. Pronto. Now get, come on, little doggy. Out you go. Before you try that, you better be sure that God's called you to do that. Now, if God's called you to do that, then all you need is faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, and it will obey you. But if God hasn't called you to go around uprooting trees by the roots, then you might want to consider what God has called you to do. Attend church. All it takes is the tiniest bit of faith to be able to do that. To uproot yourself so rooted and grounded in the living room sofa. Get up, little doggy. Get yourself ready. Get your Bible out the door, into the car, down the road, into the house of the Lord. It just takes a tiny bit of faith. Sometimes at the end of the preaching, we have an invitation. We, we, uh, we call you to come forward and pray. With some Christians, 
boy, they're right there. With other Christians, they got this struggle in their heart. Oh, I want to go, but I don't want to go. I'm, I'm, I, I have faith, but I have fear. Oh, I'm, I'm topsy-turvy. Tiny bit of faith. Take one step. That's all you have to do. Oh, but it's 22 steps to get from where I am to the altar. No, take one step. One. Just put one foot, and I guarantee you, the rest will happen all on its own. You just need one step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with what? A single step. Now, if you don't know that expression, now you do. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. There's your tiny mustard seed of faith. Take that first step and away you go. You do what God has called you to do. How do I know what God's called me to do? You read the Bible. You'll read it in the scriptures. It's so easy. It's not complicated. Someone said God put the cookies on the lower shelf so that everyone can get at them. Huh? Well, oh, I got to tell you this. I read a story, an interesting story by the old evangelist D.L. Moody. He had a little son named Willie. William. Willie, he called him. Little fella. And he was trying to teach his little boy faith. And so in, in the living room of his home, they had a fireplace, they had a mantle, and he put little Willie up on the mantle. He was standing there on the mantle of the fireplace. And he stood back and he said, Okay, Willie, jump into Papa's arms. And there's little Willie. I think he was maybe five years old or something. And he says, Daddy, I scared, I scared. And Moody said, Daddy will catch you. Daddy has strong arms. Uh, believe me, Willie, I'll catch you. Daddy, he said, I'm scared. Trust your daddy. Jump into daddy's arms. And so finally, Willie jumps off. And sure enough, Moody catches him. And this was to help teach Willie faith. And so Moody said that he put his son down and turned his back. And he heard the words, catch me, daddy. <laughs> and he turned around just in time <laughs> to see Willie jump off the mantelpiece. You know, one of these Tarzan leaps toward his daddy and he was able to catch him. A little humor there, but it's the idea. Faith in our heavenly daddy. Our heavenly daddy wrote a book. And in that book, he told us everything we need to know. Basic instructions before leaving earth, right? B-I-B-L-E. And in it is everything, all the promises, the instructions, everything. We just need to read the book. And then God will give us the faith to believe it. To have that confidence. Yes, it's true. And by the way, listen, that's how any of us got saved. There came a point in your life and in my life where we finally understood the simple gospel. I am lost. I am on my way to a Christless eternity. I can't save myself. Jesus, help! I am asking you to forgive my sins. Come in my heart. Be my Savior. You said it. I am asking. When that happens, it doesn't take long, you see, to get an, an anxious sinner and an anxious Savior together. It doesn't take long, does it? And we get saved in a moment of time, like a blink of an eye, Christ comes in our heart and we're saved. And we got saved because we put the faith God gave us into the word God gave us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is not a process where you get a little bit saved today, a little more saved the next day, a little more saved the day after. Not like that. You either have the son or you don't, one or the other. All right. Now, why do we need to have faith? 
And the short answer is because that's the way to live successfully. And that's the third part of faith. It says in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Faith, point number three, or the third part, faith is always for a heavenly task. We have a heavenly trust, we have a heavenly target, that's the Bible, and now we have a heavenly task. You have to have this third part, because if you don't, you don't really have faith. You have to have all three parts. You know something? The God who created us, who created the world, who saved our souls, according to the Bible, He is three in one. He is God the Father, He is God the Son, and He is God the Holy Spirit. And if you're missing one of those parts, you don't have God. You have to have God in His totality. And God is Three persons in one God. You say, but I have trouble understanding that. Yeah, we do. Us earthworms have a little trouble understanding divinity, don't we? Yeah, that's okay. You don't have to fully understand it. You just need to believe it. And God will give you the faith to believe that. But my point, number three, is that there must be a job to do. A heavenly task. That's the purpose of heavenly faith and putting heavenly faith into a, a heavenly target, there must be a heavenly job for us to do. Heavenly faith must always result in works. Now this is key. Don't miss it. I know we're right at the end. Maybe you're feeling a little tired. But don't miss this. If you miss this, you're going to walk out and it's not going to work for you. You must have a target, a, um, a job to do, a task to do. Faith must result in works. In James chapter 2, verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Any kind of faith that doesn't have works, that kind of faith is dead. But real faith results in works. Real life results in action. You may not be a very active person, but are you breathing? Huh? Yes or no? You may not be the most athletic person in the world, but is your heart still beating? Huh? Does the blood still course through your body? Do you still have any brain waves? If you do, you're alive. Welcome to planet Earth. You're alive and well. Real faith. If it isn't breathing if the blood isn't coursing through its veins, if there are no brain waves, it's dead, folks. Faith without works is dead. Faith always results in works. Always. Never say you have faith if you're a dead head. If there's no works, you can't say you have something you don't have. You go into the funeral home, you know, there's body after body. None of them, I mean, they're all dressed good, aren't they? <laughs> Don't they look good? Some people never look so good as when they're laying out flat, you know, in the box. And they may look good, they may wear fine clothes, they got everything except life. Everything, except they're not breathing. Faith without works is dead. And this is the third most important part here of faith. 
And without it, you don't got it. There must be works. So you need to examine your heart and life. What kind of works? Now before you say, well, uh, I go out and I tell funny jokes and I make people laugh. That, uh, that must count for something. That counts for nothing, buddy. <laughs> Read the Bible. The Bible will tell us what are the works. The Bible will tell us what kind of works faith results in. You see, that's why we need to be men and women of the book. Now, why do we need faith? I'll tell you, folks, there's a world of lost souls out there that need witnessing to. There are empty mailboxes that need gospels put in them. There are prayers that need to be made. Children need to be taught Sunday school lessons. There are people that need to be picked up from their homes and brought into the house of the Lord. There are uh, phone calls that need to be made to, to lost friends to encourage them to come, come to the Lord. Oh, I tell you, there are missionaries that need to be supported. Starting in one week is our missions conference. And I pray with all my heart you're here, that you're here in attendance. You know something? Joshua picked up where Moses left off and he led the children of Israel into the promised land. And do you remember what their very first conquest was? Do you remember what was the name of it? Jericho. Jericho. That impenetrable city with incredible walls, high, high and thick, thick. And a city's defense depended on its walls. And they had the best of the best. And so what did Joshua do? Joshua and all his people, what did they do? Did they get battering rams? No. Did they get bombs? No. What do they do? Do they fly overhead and parachute in? Yeah. They, they, got, they got all silent and quiet, just like we are here. And then they walked around the city. And they did that for seven days. And on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. And then they blew trumpets. And the people shouted. And the walls came crashing down. I've heard some of the most bizarre explanations. Oh, it was timed with an earthquake. Yeah, they timed it with an earthquake. Their steps marching around set up certain vibrations. Ah, oh, go on. Give me a break. That doesn't happen. No. What happened was a miracle happened. The walls came crashing down. But if you were to read Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30 you would find that it was their faith that brought down the walls. How about that? Those walls came down by faith. Isn't that something? I wonder what we could do by faith. I wonder what we as a little church family of God could do if we'd get our act together. What could we do by faith? Huh? What could we do? Well, there's a building up on 104 Avenue. And if we would pray by faith, Lord, give us that building for your glory and your honor. It's a big city. We need a big building to reach a big city. It's a big world. We need a big building to reach a big world. Maybe if we would pray by faith, maybe God will give us the building. When was the last time you prayed for the building? Or people watching online. When was the last time? When was the last time you got in your car and drove to the building, drove around it, parked and prayed? When was the last time? I think we need to be men and women of prayer and faith. Because God tells us 
In Mark 11.24, Jesus said, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now that's faith. A heavenly gift, confidence, in the Word of God that results in some actions. These are the three parts of faith. And without these three parts, it ain't going to work, folks. And Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So what miracle do you want to see God do? What do you want to see God do? Well, pray about it. Pray about it. Well, how do I know if it's something selfish just for me or if it's something that will glorify God? You read your Bible and you pray. And you do it day after day after day and God will show you that's how it happens. The three parts of faith. What's the first part? Do you remember? I hear some whisperings out there. Yeah, what kind of trust? Heavenly. You've got to get the God in there. Otherwise, it's not really faith. So it comes from God. What's the second part about faith? The target. You've got to put the faith someplace. And what is the target? The Word of God. God's promises. And what's the third part of faith? The task or a job or works. It's going to result in works. Those are the three important parts of faith. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of faith. Please, Lord, increase our faith. Not so that we can try and run around and feather our nest or get some sinful or selfish thing, but for your honor and glory. One day, one day soon, you'll call us to yourself. We know that because you say that in the Bible. So our faith is in that and we believe that. That day may be sooner than we think. And so, Father, it's imperative that you increase our faith so that we can get some more good works done for you so that we can bring forth more fruit for your honor and for your glory. Please bless your people. Strengthen us. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.